welcome to the latest episode of Leading at a Local Level, uh, which is a Mission Life Grace podcast. Before we jump into uh, the latest episode, we wanted to share with you a little bit of our heart and our vision behind the podcast. John and I are passionately committed to equipping leaders and to helping create healthy teams. Because we believe that when leaders are equipped, when they've got confidence, when they know what they're meant to be doing, when they're building healthy teams that are able to function well together, that that will strengthen, it will encourage, and it will enable the church to fulfill its God-given mission to reach a lost world with Jesus Christ. And so what we do is we've been sitting down uh, together just talking through different issues that you, the listener, have sent in to us. So thank you for those of you that have sent in your questions. We haven't been able to get to them all. Uh, we will just work through them as we go along. But if you've got a question or an issue you'd like us to consider and talk through, then please do just get in touch. You can uh, you can drop a comment in our YouTube channel. You can send us an email, which we'll put the link to uh, down below. But we really wanted to take this podcast a step further because you you can only do so much when you're just on a, on a podcast. And so we want to offer, John and I want to offer for free, uh, that if you would like as a leader just to uh, talk to us, to maybe get some advice or some input, we'd love to chat to you. And we'd also really love to come and work with your team. We'd love to do some workshops or facilitate some conversations around how you can be a healthier team or how we can equip you as a leader or as a leadership team. And so if you're interested in that, if you'd like us to maybe come and just see how we can support you, then please do just send us an email. Uh, send it to tim.cross at riverchurch or river-church.co.uk. Uh, and we would just love to be able to support, to be able to equip you, to be able to help you build a healthy team because we really are most committed to seeing God strengthen, encourage and enable the church to fulfill its God-given mission to reach a lost world with Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump in uh, to today's episode. We hope you enjoy it and thank you so much for listening. If you don't already, we'd love you just to subscribe um, or just to, to get the latest updates on when we release our videos. Bless you. Hello, welcome to our next episode of Leading at a Local Level with uh, myself. I'm Tim uh, and this is my friend John. Right. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, this podcast is about trying to equip leaders at a local level, uh, particularly with a focus on trying to equip leaders so they can help to build and foster and grow healthy churches. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing today. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of buy-in. Uh, and so, um, yeah, what do you what do you mean by buying, John? What we talk about, we talk about buying. Buying, yeah. Well, this comes from actually some somebody who who listens slash watches us, um, who basically said, you know, how can I get buy-in from people and then take them with me? Um, and they went on to say, this is something that you never really see taught with leadership stuff, but hugely important. And I think that's why we should address it today, really, Tim, because um, we're not here to kind of give loads of like you know leadership content that you can get elsewhere we're here to really apply things aren't we to what it looks like in a local church to actually practically do this stuff what does it look like to be healthy um, in leadership and I think this issue of buy-in is huge like the number of leaders I've spoken to kind of kind of find it quite frustrating when they have this great idea this light bulb moment and they share it with other people and they just don't quite get it or they don't quite follow or they think they've got by and they think that people have said, yeah, this is a great idea. Um, and then they don't. And, and again, for me, an example would be when I was um, 
leading in, in our church in Canterbury, um, we had basically we were moving towards our services being more um, seeker friendly, basically. So again, whatever you think of that theologically, try and park that. But that's what we were looking to, to do. And we thought that we had buy in from people, you know, from key people in the, in the worship band, the, the welcome groups and so on and life groups. But actually, over time, we realized that a lot of people didn't want to see that change and actually they wanted things to stay just as they were and so I, I that was I remember that was a real challenge to think well hang on I thought I had buy-in and we thought we were taking people with us on this journey as a church but then realized that they weren't and it started getting me thinking you know what are the factors how can I take people with me as a leader I mean I, I don't know if you've got any examples Tim does that sort of hit hit what you've experienced uh, well yeah my my favorite leadership phrase I might have even used it on this podcast before is that like um a man a man uh, leading without anybody following is just a man taking a walk um and i think it's kind of <laughs> yeah. you know i think often there's lots of people that call themselves leaders and have the title of leaders but there aren't many people following them um and i suppose the definition of being a leader is that people are following you somewhere yeah. um I, I think it's a massive issue john i think it's a great yeah. issue to raise to be honest because i think yeah. I mean, so many so many leaders have, have like they don't they don't lack for quality ideas yeah. Um, they don't lack for kind of passion, uh, enthusiasm, uh, vision. They just don't have a, often there's a disconnect, isn't there, between yeah. kind of them and everybody else. And so what happens is they kind of run off um, ahead and then lots of people just don't follow. Or well, what happens is you kind of get this strag, this kind of group of stragglers, people sort of, you get people that are really keen that are kind of with you and you think, oh, great, everyone's behind you. And you turn around and realise that actually you've left a whole load of people behind. And yeah. um, I mean, this has never happened in my leadership, obviously. Um, of I've, never had, I've never had this problem. People just, I'm absolutely so magnet, so magnetic that people are always surrounding me. But yeah, <laughs> but it's, 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 a, it's huge. I, I think, I think it works in, in, in everything. I think it works in politics. You know, you look at national leaders, you look at, you know, it works in football teams. It works in, in all, all forms. You know, you can, yeah, that disconnect. In a sense, that's it. That is leadership. How do you get someone to buy into what you're doing? And you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you're right that when you look around, there's sometimes people far behind. And, and reflecting on this, I was, I was thinking of... Um, like it change innovation so when when people talk about how people adopt new ideas so for example like a you know, new iphone comes out and you've always got those people who kind of hear an idea and they adopt it like yeah. straight away so they're there in the queue overnight and i'd never do this i mean i'm i'm I, i'm not like this with technology i sort of wait for a little bit i'm like is it worth the money i want to wait for the price to come down <laughs> you've got a nokia 3210 john I bet i've right. still got a nokia 3210 i'm still not convinced by the whole smartphone concept i'm waiting for the prices to come down um uh, but no I'm, I'm a moto g guy because you know it kind of looks all right not that i'm that bothered does the job but it's you know 140 quid compared to 700 but that's me but there were some people who like are super early and actually you may have them in your church where you you say an idea and they're there right away they're like great idea i'm with you um and that's a tiny number of people but there are those kind of really early adopters and i think it actually it actually fits i mean there's a there's a there's a curve you know we call it a bell curve like you know one of those ones which is a big yeah, bell in the middle yeah. yeah with the tails and that first tail is like those early adopters who are like yes i'm there um I, you know i'm with you and then you've got your um kind of early and late majority so people perhaps like me who are just waiting to see if other people are going to so follow do you know do you know, do you, know, do you, know do you know tano don't you you know tano in my church yeah 
So Tano Marchetti is a classic example of like an early adopter. Like yeah. Tano's always first. Like if you if you present a new idea to Tano, nearly always he's like, I love this idea. Love I'm it. super enthusiastic. Like he's always the person to go to, isn't he? I think as a leader, you you we we do you not think you're drawn to those kind of people? Um, like you yeah. always want to tell them your idea because you know that they're probably going to be really enthusiastic straight away. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think that's what a lot of leaders do. I think they find people that are like that, and they assume that just because yeah. Those people are enthusiastic, like that, that, that everyone's enthusiastic. But in reality, that, that I don't think those people are necessarily that representative. Do you uh, not but, think? Uh, you're right. And, but also what can happen, to be honest, is that those people at the other end of the of the curve, you know, the late adopters or you know, laggards, I think they're called, you know, sometimes like, I can have some built in resentment towards people like yeah. that. Because I'm thinking, oh, you never want to change, or you're always saying no, and you're, you're never buying into to these ideas. Just you know, you're you've always got a critical point, or, or maybe not critical, but you're always asking me questions and making me work harder. And I just want you to buy in, for goodness' sake, to what I'm doing. But I think I'm learning, hopefully, more and more to to recognise like why I should value people like that. That there is there is value that sometimes they represent a group of people in my congregation or you know where, where I am who are not who are a bit change averse and they do yeah. have more questions and perhaps they've actually got some really valuable things to play in to the process so I think I, I it sounds awful like trying to categorize people in your in your church but I, I kind of learned to do that a little bit and recognize if I'm sitting down with these this group of people who are you know these technically these laggards um, and if I present a new idea John don't be surprised if they turn around and say don't like it I'm not up for it don't go away all disappointed and upset because expect it to happen. So I started to learn which people are going to respond in which way and then how I might kind of approach it. I don't know if you've experienced that, Tim, yeah. and how, how you approach it, apart from just sticking with the early adopters who are always like, yes. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I think I'm sure you're going to talk about that curve a bit more. And maybe we'll see if we can get a graphic uh, onto this video. I'll see if I can do yeah. some kind of video editing to shove one in. I think it's quite helpful to see the graphic because the problem is, I think we, like a lot of leaders see those, just almost see it as being those two groups. There's those yeah. people that are for you and those people that are against you. Um, and I think as you're going to talk about, probably I would imagine that there's all the people in the middle um, that are actually more important than the people at the beginning and the people at the end. Yeah. Um, I, th I think my experience is that there aren't that many, there aren't that many, was it laggards you call them? Laggards, right? yeah. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah. Awful, isn't it? Laggards. Most, I was thinking like, laggard. Proverbs Proverb 6, go to the laggards. That's right, you sluggard. Um, <laughs> Um, I think I think um, I think there aren't that many laggards, to be honest. I think yeah. I mean I'm sure there are some that are just going to object to everything you do, um, but I almost wonder if that's a bit of a stereotype. Um, I actually think most people are. I think the reality is most people don't like change. Not not many yeah. people like change, um, and I think you have to. A lot of those laggards aren't necessarily really genuine, deep down anti changes. Yeah. They're just they're just naturally fearful um, yeah. or whatever, and so I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the danger is we talk about buying is that we we just we look at those two people, and I think I've done that a lot of times. I think when I was, you know, leading in Eltham, and we were trying to do a few things in Eltham at the time, and I think we kind of, I certainly box people into people that were for you, and then people that were basically like not for you. Um, and actually, yeah. I don't think that was a helpful way of thinking about it. I think actually that just in the long term. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And the majority, that's the shape of the bell curve is probably about two thirds of people are actually in the middle. Um, and they will, 
you know sometimes they're looking to the early adopters to kind of say is this something we go with so i think there is value in actually going to early adopters. i mean you've talked before a few years ago tim i remember talking about megaphones where it's actually it can be helpful to go to people who you know are going to be able to be the megaphones to talk about the ideas and we we, we we've done that in our church where we say okay not we're not trying to manipulate people we're just also recognizing that it takes time for ideas to settle in I mean, it takes time for people to get their heads around it and to discuss it and to ask their questions um, and to see that it isn't just one person kind of going off like me going off in that direction. But actually, there's been some thought and process and and people need that time. And, and I think people act logically. And I think that's a huge lesson I've learned is that people aren't illogical. People yeah. do act kind of rationally. That, and if they've got fears about change and they've got questions, then my job as a leader is to kind of maturely just say, okay, we need to address that and I need to wait and recognise that I want to, I'm in a rush, but sometimes I need to wait a bit longer. Can I, can I, I think that's really, that's really useful, actually, understanding the kind of logical side of things. But just can I wind it back a bit you're, you're to this point yeah. about megaphones? Because I think there are certain people that are like... That you say, say if you categorise your early adopters into two types of people, so you've got your your early adopters that are just super enthusiastic, but they're not necessarily like going to talk about it. They just they're just with you. Whatever's happening, they're with yeah. you. And there are a few, and they're, they're they're quite precious people, really. They they will they will not only adopt what you're doing, they'll shout about it. And if if those yeah. people are credible um, yeah. people, they actually they they become incredibly valuable. I mean, I remember there was a guy that I used to leave with um, years ago. It was a guy called Steve. And um, when I was in my early days of leading the youth group and Steve was like a megaphone. And so whatever I did, Steve was pretty much up for it. And he was the one that would go around telling everyone how amazing it was and how great it was. And actually, I, I realized he was he was yeah. as important as I was um, yeah. in terms of kind of, you know, essentially getting that voice out. There's another guy, you, you know, Alan Maxwell, don't you, in Elton? Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Maxwell. We, lo we love Alan Maxwell. We love Alan. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and my friend Alan, and uh, he's Scottish. But the thing about Alan is Alan is just so enthusiastic about stuff. He's an yeah. early adopter. And Alan's just like really well respected. He's really enthusiastic. And you kind of think like, you know, Alan's a great example of someone that you want on your team and you want to give them space, I guess, to, to amplify yeah. what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, there's something I'd love for us to maybe look at on, um, I think on another podcast, it's probably too much for today. But this kind of links as well with understanding how like how we speak. I mean, there's a term I'm going to use is this, it's understanding your voice. So I, I'm very much, I speak to people and I, I love to enthuse people and I'm a bit of a pioneer in that sense. So when someone kind of listens and responds to the way that I'm phrasing things, I might get quite excitable. I might talk about, you know, we're going to be doing this and this is going to be the impact on the kingdom. And I'm thinking, surely everybody's going to get excited by the way, I'm presenting this vision. Yeah, surely this has excited me, so why wouldn't it excite you? And then there's somebody like, and I won't, well, I will put up, but my wife, who's very different to me, and she might start asking questions like, yeah, but have you thought about so-and-so and what that will mean for them in their role in the children's work? It's, it's going to change. Uh, and you're basically kind of presenting this vision, but you haven't actually thought about how it's going to impact that family or that person's role. And I suddenly realised that, you know, oh, I need to kind of address this in a different way. Um, and that's where having your, your, your megaphones, this is the point I'm making, I suppose having megaphones is having people who speak in a different language as well to you, who get the idea, who are behind you and who are for you, but who can speak to those people in a different voice, if you like, and say, yeah, okay, I hear you. And I'm going to kind of translate it down for you to show, actually, we've thought about this. We've thought about, 
you know how we're going to look after people in this process does, does that does that make sense and if you've experienced that, that it does and i'm sure like i say we should probably do another visit video on on like uh on what you're talking about there because i think there's there's quite a lot in there um and it's a bit like your my you know the myers-briggs personality type isn't it type yeah. where different people think in different ways but just to kind of blunt it down to a really blunt kind of measure but you, i suppose if you think about it as being people that are logical or people that are emotional for example let's take that as a very broad generalistic way i mean i think that's what you're driving at, isn't it is there, there's some people yeah. that are going to process your are going to buy in intellectually and some are going to buy in emotionally um and some are yeah. going to i guess be somewhere between the two and i think that the part of the problem is is that um that's that leaders i think need to potentially I, I think that's something i've learned i think this is what you're talking about isn't it is the idea you've got to work out really what is it that that person needs to hear to be able to buy in um so for example for some people they're very logical so they're thinking like i don't know what's i mean take, taking like so we want to take on um an in we want to take on an intern or a couple of interns in our church yeah. in the summer so if you know anyone by the way everyone was watching this and you know someone that's kind of you know sort of looking to do a year of of uh of kind of low paid but paid uh work um in 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 a church supporting children's and youth work let me know uh shameless plug um but you you know if i went to to i went to our trustees and i said you know this is what i want to do so there were so some people responded with the kind of questions about well how much is it going to cost where are they going to live kind of what's going to be the impact of of this on this and so they're approaching a very logical point of view the other people are kind of just responding from an emotional level like we need some help it'd be great to have some more people involved it'd be really good um and i think you know trying to understand because sometimes i think i've approached it and i'm quite an emotional i'm emotional um yeah. uh, i think I, I don't know what you are actually i don't know whether you're emotional or more logical um but i'm definitely emotional aren't i so i'm basically going to get excited by something because i just sense the the vision and the passion in it. and so i'll often go to people and be like why are you not as excited about this as me this yeah. is the most exciting thing that's ever happened uh and i used to come up in my early days of leadership of realizing that yeah. i'm still not i'm still not good at it at times but realizing if i want to talk to this person i need to to work out what their objections are going to be i guess um yeah. what their i suppose what do they need you know what is going to excite them is is the the practical stuff going to excite them or is it going to be the vision Absolutely. or is it going to be yeah. the, you know um but i mean I, I don't know if that's how you deal with it but that's how i deal with it. i think absolutely and and knowing key people who can speak and I, I remember that moment where um one of our fellow elders kind of stood up and, and presented things it, and in my opinion I'll be really honest it was a bit dry yeah. and a bit, <laughs> a bit i just felt a bit bored to be honest, listening to him but my, it was helpful. And there was a whole load of people in the church. Like, oh, it was so helpful. You know what so-and-so always says, never what so-and-so said. And I just loved the way he kind of communicated. It was very gentle. And I thought, right, John, lesson learned. You know, like, this is not all about you. And I think that's what we've got to be careful with buy-in. If we're like, yeah, I'm the big leader and I expect everyone to follow me. But actually, I mean, I believe passionately in this plurality of leadership. And I believe in it theologically but actually also quite pragmatically because I've yeah, just yeah. seen that it works when you've got people who are different. And that's a challenge as well for our leadership mixes to be, be ready to work with leadership groups who are different, who may not all be like you and think in the same way, who challenge sometimes or who maybe takes a bit more work to kind of grapple with things as a leadership team. But it is worth every minute of it. Do you, do, you think, do you think one of the challenges around this, though, John, is, is that it's a bit of a craft. It's an art form rather than a science. And so I think if you were, um, 
and I think, yeah, it's, I'm just thinking out loud really, but it, like, I think that's one of the challenges that we want to sort of approach it like a science. Like if I want to get elder, yeah. you know, elder Alan on board, or if I want to get kind of, you know, I'm thinking about elders I've worked with elders, you know, elder Patrick, you know, yeah. then I maybe need to approach it like this, but it doesn't always work like that sometimes. And I think, I think this is where I suppose as a leader, I think you probably need to spend a lot of time before you present an idea, particularly if it's a, a big idea, yeah. um, uh, kind of really thinking through kind of what their objections are going to be, like what is likely to motivate them, what is likely to engage them. And it might seem like a waste of time, but probably that's the most important thing you can do if you're with your key people um, is to think about how do I present this to them? Because I, like, here's a silly thing. I've worked out that with me and my wife, right? I don't know if you have this, but I, do you need to give the do you need to give the point at the end of the story, or do you need to give the backstory first, right? Yeah. So with my wife, she likes to tell me the full story, and I'm just sitting there going, "Please tell me the point. What what's the conclusion? What did they say at the end? Like you know, like kind of like yeah. what actually happened? Like what's the outcome here? I want to know the end before I get to the beginning. And one thing I've started to do is I've started to work out. Do because I used to often go into leadership conversations. I'd sort of really try and explain the full story and explain why I was thinking what I was thinking because I was thinking like they're going to want to understand the process. But actually, nearly always, often I've worked out it was not all, nearly always, but sometimes with some people, you're like, let me tell you what I'm going to what I'm thinking, and then I'll explain to you why it's important. So little things like that I do, and I spend I will try and work out like how are they likely to react to what I'm saying. Um, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I would, I suppose if we're taking away a, a lesson from this, how do you get buy-in? It is, you know, you know, spend some time thinking about how you're going to communicate to those people. And, and recognising that, that often as a leader, you've been, you've been mulling over this stuff for probably for months, possibly yeah. years, but certainly weeks. You've been thinking about it, you know, and if you present it to people and expect that after one or two conversations or one or two kind of you know, announcements that they're going to get it and that they're going to feel it uh, it's just not going to happen i mean if it's taken you that amount of time it's going to take others time and so sometimes for, I, I speak to myself john it's about patience like you, you're wanting to just rush ahead with this idea and you know thinking that sometimes it can be tempting to think well because i've got a leadership position then people should you know, I expect people to follow me because, you know, I'm, I'm an elder or I'm the pastor. Um, and that we'd love that to be the case sometimes in leadership. Wouldn't life be easier if people just, you know, just followed? Um, but of course, it's not like that. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, yeah. do, do, do you, how early would you involve someone in the conversation, John? Like, so if you're in your idea process, how often would how early would you involve well, I think it depends on, again, I don't think it's as scientific as that. I think it depends on, on the issue. It depends on who the issue impacts. So if it's a small, if it's a small tweak, as in like we're going to change the structure of our, you know, prayer meetings or leadership meetings, then, you know, all the way through to something really big about we're going to plant, a, plant another church. I think they're just completely different things. So I think it will all depend on what the decision is that you're making, how, who it impacts, and and speaking with the people and I, I would always say I would go earlier than later so I tend to wait longer so my my uh, that's my instinct so I, I know that I need to deliberately try and involve people earlier I mean how, how about you see I think that's if I, not that I'm, I'm many things as a leader um but I think and many things I'm bad at um but I think the one thing that 
I'm particularly good at, I think, is that I like to, maybe because I like to talk, John, as you know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I find actually that, that the best thing I do in leadership is just have like light touch conversations with people. Yeah. So I often present it like, this is my very half formed idea. Um, what do you kind of think? And, and I think that's been very effective in my leadership yeah. over the last few years it, for, for a number of reasons. One, I think it makes people feel like they're not being, you're not trying to persuade them of an idea. You're trying to involve them in the process, yeah. which I think is very important. But I also think it helps to shape the actual idea itself, because yeah. there's no point in getting to the point where it's fully formed and then realising that you've, you know, you've built a coffee table that's too big for the space. You know, you, you almost need to be measured. Does that make sense? Almost, and I, I would say, like, so we we were talking about, you know, we've talked, said we were readjusting our home groups. I'll go around and I'll talk to probably 10 people within the church yeah. um, and sort of just sound them out about what do you think about how are you finding house groups? What do you think? Well, how would you change it? I'm kind of thinking that we might like do this, thinking about maybe changing the number of groups or something. And what do you think about that? And, and then, and I found that, to be honest, that's the, the, the probably the one, if I could say one thing to leaders, that would almost be top of my list, I think. Just have as many conversations, as many smaller conversations as you possibly can. Uh, and because and if, if you leave it until you've built the whole thing and then you try and you're trying to convince people that what you've built is is like whereas actually what you're saying is come and build together which is not easy actually. Some people find that much more difficult, I think, because if you're if you're an internal processor, do you not think if you if you process things internally, it's much harder to do it with other. I think I can do it externally with others. You know? It will also shape what type of church you're looking to build. To be honest with you, if if you're if you and that will, so if, if you're basically saying as as a leader, part of my role is to develop leaders, and we believe in that, don't we? Healthy churches need yep. healthy leaders. Now, if you're if you're the sort of person who says I've got all the ideas. I'm the anointed one for this ministry. People just need to listen. You will probably gather, if you do gather people, you'll probably gather people who are quite happy with that kind of thing. They are happy with, you know, pastor-led kind of like, I'm just going to follow this one person, whatever happens, whatever they say. And that's the kind of church you'll build. But if you're wanting to develop your leaders and you're wanting to develop leaders who, who think and who learn and who grow, then involving them in the process and talking them through it. This is why I'm doing it. And this is how I'm taking people with me. And, oh, do you know what? I've made this terrible mistake this week. I'm going to share it with you. Mm -hmm. It takes humility, but it, it, it develops leaders. And it's, it's, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I think it builds trust, doesn't it? It builds trust totally. in, in you, I think. I think we think that people take trust from us because we know what we're doing. Yeah. I think people kind of intuitively know that you don't really know what you're doing as a leader. Like you don't really know what you're doing. You're kind of, A, you're following the Lord. Um, said it. Can we can we wipe that bit out? <laughs> yeah, but, but we spiritualize it. Spiritualize it, John. Yeah, we're all just following the Lord and we're doing what we're in step with Him. <laughs> but you know, I, I realize often I don't know what I'm doing. But I think I think actually they trust. In the end, people trust. I suppose I think people trust you as your as a as a man of integrity. Yeah. But they also trust your process. Yeah. So I think if they feel like your process is is fluid they're more likely to trust you because they know that they can help to shape it if they think it's going to go wrong. If it's rigid and it's heading towards disaster, that's what causes fear because they think, goodness me, this guy gets stuck on an idea. And once he gets stuck on that idea, it's very hard to change him. And I think this is going to end badly. 
And I just think there's, therefore, we're going to hit the wall because he's rigid. He doesn't move. We yeah. can't input, really. He's yeah. just looking for us to get on board. He's asking us to get on the bus, even though the bus is heading off down, heading over a cliff. Yeah. Whereas you don't mind getting on the bus if you think you've got an opportunity to yeah. help steer it. I'm just yeah. making those analogies up as we've got along. I've just this, this is minutes. great. We need to, we'll make some notes in the show notes, like the best of, and you know, Tim's analogies. Tim's, Tim's metaphors. Tim's yeah. metaphors. That's, I mean, look, I think, I think trust is so key. And if people think you're using them, you know, just to achieve your ends or this is your vision and you, we're just going to be used, you know, I, I, your trust can ebb away. And I like and trust to change in my pocket. And I got that from um, Eric, who's pastor of our church in Canterbury. And I remember this when he, he was said to us, how much change have we got in our pocket at the moment? And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, I only carry cards. Um, but he's, he, he like and trust to change in your pocket. Like, and you build that up over time and, and you're making decisions that people say, okay, that was, you know, I, I've trust this guy or I trust this this woman. Um, I trust their process, this leadership team. And it does mean that there are times when you may need to make a big decision. And yes, you can go for all those other things. But sometimes it's about knowing whether you've got change in your pocket for that decision. So for us, we've made changes to our, our approach. And actually, it went well. In the end, we I think the process went really well for some of the reasons I've mentioned. We then had, we then had to make a very quick decision about moving site. You know, a site came up, which the church is still using now in Canterbury. Um, and it needed a really quick decision. And we decided as a leadership that we would we did quick consultation as much as we could, but we made the decision. I tell you what, if the decision had gone wrong, it would have been really disastrous for the church. But actually, it, it went well. But we had the change in our pocket, if you like, to make that decision. We, we felt that if it didn't work too well, then actually we'd still have people's trust because they'd recognise we had to make a decision. They'd recognise. Does, does that make, does that kind of, again... Yeah, I, funny, Eric obviously stole it from me. Um, he's adapted my analogy. Um, <laughs> I, talk, I talk to I talk a lot about uh, bank accounts. Like it's right. a bit like a bank account. You know, you can you build up money in the bank, um, and you know you don't want to go into the red. You know, and if you spend too much, you go. If you make and if you make a bad decision, or if you have to act quickly, you can use up some of your change in your pocket credit. Absolutely, I, it's a great analogy, and yeah. I think. And I think actually, yeah, the, one of the, and, it, and you know, this is one of the biggest challenges and I have seen this a number of times. I think that what happens, you see it with football managers, don't you, right? Yeah. That, that after a while, they get to a point where the elastic snaps, right? So no trust, they, they, there's been too many reasons, too many times when they've just not got buy-in and the, and the leader's pushed ahead and you can see it with someone like, you know, take Mourinho, like when he was in his various different football clubs. Yeah. You know, he does well for a while. And after a while, suddenly, like, you make too many bad decisions. You make, you know, you treat people too badly after a while. You don't yeah. get it right. And after a while, it just people are, I can't deal with this anymore. So I'm just not going to buy it at all. I've got no trust in what you're going to say. I've got no trust in what you're going to do. And and so I can't and I can't get enthusiastic. And so you get some leaders that get to a point where they're just like, I can't. Everything I try, it's really hard to get buy in. And you know, your people are almost, yeah. they're just not that interested because they're like, we've heard it all before, we've seen it, or we've seen you do it before, we've seen it fail, we've seen it crash, or you didn't involve us last time. So why should we bother again this time? And and I think that's a really dangerous situation. And I think sadly too many leaders end up in that situation and at that point you either leave or yeah. the church just grinds into a just 
just grinds itself into. Rut. I was going to say to him, how do you get out? Because obviously in football, as Mourinho's found, you know, you, you kind of get you get sacked. You know, the players rebel a little bit, and we all, we can all tell where this this one's heading. Which when it came to Tottenham, I was just delighted uh, personally as an Arsenal fan. But but you know, in, a, in the local church, you've just said you've said it really. A couple of outcomes. One is that you know the leader leave or leader or, or people leave. Or you kind of grind. How do you get out of that? I mean, perhaps as leaders who are listening or watching this, who are thinking, I feel I'm, I'm a bit in that position actually. Like I'm, I've got there. You know, I've got there, and that elastic kind of a stretching point. How do you rein that back? Do you think? I'm a, I, I don't know. I'm really tempted to be controversial, um, and I think I, I want. I, I would seriously consider whether it's time to leave, okay. um, which probably isn't the right. Probably the answer that people would want to hear. But I think, yeah. I think you know. Unless the Lord, I mean, my suppose this is my experience, unless God moves in that situation, trust is very hard to win back. And 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 it's like, there's a difference between I've lost, a li- as you said, it's like the bank thing. It's like, you can go into the red a couple of times, you know, if you get yourself back out of the red, or, you know, if you put change back in your pocket. Yeah. But sometimes I just wonder if there comes a point where, unless the Lord does something, it's just... I don't know. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. That you're just you're going to, and you just get frustrated. You get more and more frustrated because people, and it just gets worse and worse. I mean, I haven't. I suppose in my experience, I haven't seen anybody where I've. And I've obviously my role in MLG is I support a lot of churches, yeah. um, and I haven't yet seen, and and talking to lots of other people in other churches, I haven't yet seen examples of where I've really seen it turn around. Um, I have seen people move on and be very successful somewhere else, um, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, John. I mean, I, would you, you tell, give the other side to that argument, John? Because that's not no. the whole argument. Well, I, yeah, no, I wasn't driving at that really. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I, I, I sadly also lack examples of where I've seen it really turn around. Um, I would say sometimes that can be, I wonder what that's sometimes to do with our view of leadership. It's almost like, um, you know, we think oh, we can never trust this person again because, you know, they, they just haven't proven themselves. Well, I think there the must be room for, conversations where you know, very honest conversations where things are acknowledged where where, where you know people can ask for, for forgiveness where there's forgiveness needed yeah. um, and sometimes just say do you know what actually and it's really hard to do in leadership but to turn around and say do you know what there's some ways I've been approaching this that just actually haven't been right and um, I know that for example I know that I just haven't been listening um, and, I, and I want to listen and I want to do this together, but that, that's really hard to do as a leader. And as I said, I don't really have any great examples of where that's happened. I, th- I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's probably pretty much the only way you could do it, I think, um, is where you were basically willing to go and say, I've been wrong. Um, I've tried to push the church in a direction that the church didn't want to go in, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but the difficulty is often you've got someone that believes that they want to go in one direction because they feel that the Lord's told them to do that. And the church hasn't, for whatever reason, particularly bought into that. Um, it's the same business. I mean, I've worked with managers like that in a, in a, in a professional context, John, same as yeah. you have. Yeah. Um, I, and I've worked for, I, mean, I've, I remember one of the bosses I worked for, he's a great guy. And at certain seasons, he, he in the beginning season, when I first joined, and, and it was very small, he was brilliant. He was just absolutely fantastic. But, but towards the end, essentially, the trust, the, the 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 relationship with those people that he was responsible for working with, it just snapped and they'd lost all patience with him. And so he it just became constantly antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I haven't seen it work 
I've seen the same issue in the world, I think, in terms of secular jobs, is it comes a point and just, you just run out of steam. Um, and I think that's the danger, actually. This is why buying is such an important issue, John. Yeah. <laughs> I think, actually, you can get it wrong. You can get it wrong quite a lot of times. I mean, don't get me wrong, you can get it wrong a lot of times. But there are there is sometimes a point where it just it starts to get more and more difficult to get by in the less, the, the more and more you've pushed on. Yeah. Um, so, it, so what should people do? So when you think of MLG network, but there might be others as well who are listening in. And you, what if you do get that sense that, you know, okay, I, I just sense I'm not getting the buy-in. I sense that maybe the change, you know, that bank account's a little bit low. I've struggled a little bit, you know, relationally. It feels like it's coming from me, but people are for what? What's the kind of a rescue plan? We 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 haven't preempted this at all. I mean, it's just um, just making this up as we go along. Yeah, making it up as we go along. But you know, how how would you suggest? What are some steps people could take? I mean, this. I, I mean, so I can only say how I would handle it, and I think what I would do is I would get my key people in the room, maybe not all together, but certainly in small groups, not just on their own. Um, and I would sit down and I would say, guys, I, I really just feel like I've I've not I've obviously in, the, in some of the ways I've led, I've not necessarily led well. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we, I think you've got to have a really frank conversation. And basically, you've got to be I think almost that point, you've almost got to willingly sit down and say, I'm willing to walk away almost like I'm willing to I'm willing yeah. to get out of the way if you think that's right. And and, you, and this is I mean, we've you know, a previous video on conflict. You've got to almost push for conflict, I think. You've almost got to say, let's have this out. Yeah. Let's just really get it out on the table. Let's be really honest with one another. Let's really just yeah. you know, say what is going to, even if you think it's going to hurt me, say it. Because it's, the only thing that re re rebuilds trust is honesty. Yeah. And I think, and, that, and an honesty and a coming together of people where there's a real unification of heart, where you're like, look, you, I've said everything I wanted to say. You've said, in a sense, you've really listened to me. And actually, we can start to build together again on a on a, on a basis of unity. I think I think that's the, probably the only way. But but it's again, you, you've got to take a lot of courage to do that. I think it takes yeah. a lot of courage to do. You that. do, and I've seen it happen. So sort of, certainly, where outside of the local church, in fact, to be honest, in, in the local church in Canterbury, we actually had someone come in externally. So it did right. it did work there. I'm, I'm wrong. Well, actually, we had someone come in with a fresh pair of eyes. And that was really helpful and a combination of, you know, just looking at some of these issues about change and how people change. And we, we were particularly looking at how do you go from a church of, you know, 100 and you know, break the 200 barrier. And that was hugely helpful because it was a learning process together where someone externally was very respected. It was actually from the same church, you know, same network. It was the FIEC. Um, and took us through a whole load of stuff about church growth and anticipated things and said, we've done it before. And actually, we grew as a leadership, but we could also say to a number of people, you know what? Yeah, we, we've got this wrong and we haven't thought about this. But actually, thanks to you know Ray, who's come in to help us, um, we've now got a plan. And, and people respected that. They respected the fact that we actually brought other people in. Lots of that works every time. But having an external person come, maybe to do some coaching, as you know, um, we should do an episode on coaching. I love coaching. Yeah, I'm, just training, I'm training as a coach, but I, I'm, I think there's hugely helpful kind of tools for leaders. They don't sound particularly spiritual, although I would argue that Jesus was the greatest coach of all. He asked great questions. He helped people find the answers for themselves to own the solutions. I could go on. But there, there is room to bring people in. It's probably my, yeah, probably what I'd say on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. I, I think I think maybe we've painted a bit of a negative picture about this situation. I think it's, 
Well, certainly I have. Um, but <laughs> I think, I think, I suppose I just see it go wrong. I think I've seen, yeah. and I, I think unfortunately it does often happen in leadership. It is does happen. Lack of buy-in. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the whole external thing is really important. As you totally agree with you, like I, that's my role is often to go in and, and help sort out some of those issues. Yeah. And and my number one thing is, can I rebuild trust? Yeah. Can I get these people being actually honest and open with each other? That's the key. Um, and there's got to be a heart for forgiveness. Again, I think there's got to be a heart to want yeah. to. And I think that's that's the key. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think this whole subject of buying is so important. I really think it's important, John. I think you've been yeah. absolutely right to raise it. And we talk yeah, about it's great. And I think we probably should finish it, shouldn't we? But I'm looking forward also to, to another discussion. It's based on another question that's come in actually about how we lead through others because some of this can seem like oh it's me and mileage how do i get people to buy in through yeah, me yeah. but of course one answer is is actually when we're leading through other people like actually we're leaders because true leaders create more leaders they don't create followers they create create more leaders so when i think when people see that you're leading through them that they're bringing their gifts to the table that you're you're helping them to walk you know ephesians 2 10 you know you help them to walk in the in the footsteps that god has actually ordained in advance of them that they can see that you're working through them that also sort of breeds trust and it helps to develop people. So I think there's something there about our buy-in, how we're leading and how we're, how we're doing. So not as we come back to what we started with, really, it's not just me and kind of my message to, yes, this is the message of, you know, that I want you to follow and just follow me, but actually doing that together as a team and having that kind of developing others around us is so key to buy-in as well. But again, it's a topic for another day. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, John, that's been a brilliant discussion. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good to have you been helpful. If you have found this helpful, we encourage you just to um, uh, to like the video. You can like it. You can subscribe to yeah. get all of our videos. Um, I always feel like one of those like kind of YouTubers my kids watch when I kind of say um, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's good. If you want to catch any of our other videos, you can do on our playlist um, for doing that. But yeah, so thanks so much, John. And um, until next time. See you later. See you later. Bye.